This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning, Sunday morning. I'm glad you're up and alive and well and watching online with us. We pray the blessings of God upon you. I believe today is going to be a great day. The Word of God is going to come alive to you. So our goal again today is we're going to feed your faith and starve your doubts. So get your Bibles. Get you a notebook. I believe there'll be scriptures today that are really not only going to pertain to what we're going through in life right now, but I believe they'll help you uh, get through these upcoming weeks. So get your Bible. We'll begin in 2 Chronicles 7. Then we'll go to 1 Samuel 1. And then this morning we'll end in Philippians chapter 4. Now, as you're going to 2 Chronicles 7, let me say a couple of things first of all. Thank all the ones that are here making the live stream happen. We appreciate everybody. We covet your prayers right now. And then number two, I want to give you a little thought here as these upcoming weeks. Again, our, our president made the comment that it would be great if our land would be up and running again for Easter Sunday. I, I believe that needs to be our target. And so from my heart, I ask you to begin to pray that and say, hey, Father God, we're, we're welcoming that Resurrection Sunday of, of 2020 is still going to happen. And a verse you can stand on that, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, he said, with man, things may seem impossible, but with our God, all things are possible. So I believe something happens when the church comes alive and begins to pray. So again, I, I encourage you to pray on these lines. So we begin today in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Start with me in verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and he said to him, I've heard your prayer. I've heard your prayer, and I want to highlight that. Our God still hears the prayers of the righteous. Our God still de de desires that we call out to him. So he says, I've heard your prayer, and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, there is no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. Now, when you see that Solomon is praying right here in verse 12, and then verse 13, it highlights something, that there is some type of plague or, or epidemic that's going on in their land. And this plague and the epidemic is even affecting, he said, my people. Verse 14, for if my people, for if, if my people, now, I want you to get a hold of that today because he didn't say the, the Chinese. He didn't say the American. He didn't say the Canadians. He didn't say the Australians or the Africans. He said, my people, the people of God. So my people who are called or identified by my name, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For us as New Testament believers, we're marked by the name of Jesus. So he said, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now, I just want to stop right there and listen to what he's saying, that if my people will, will humble themselves. See, something happens when we, we, we humble ourselves instead of God having to humble us. And he said, they'll, they'll pray. They'll humble themselves and pray and, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And so when you see the, the turning from our wicked ways, that's to repent. And the only way that we get forgiven or pardoned is by forgetting or, or is repenting here. So he says, 
to turn from our wicked ways. So I want to highlight a couple of things on this line. God's love cannot embrace us what his holiness already condemns. God's love cannot embrace what his holiness condemns. So in saying that, there's consequences for our sins. And so one of the first ways that leads us out of a dark time is through repentance. And it does me no good to try to blame other people, to blame the environment, to blame even evil spirits, because when I get over in the blame game, I miss the point. And the point was that for me and you to identify sins and for us to repent. So that would mean to identify the sins of my own life, the sins of my home, the sins of my city, even better yet, the sins of my nation. And when we begin to take time to identify those things and we've repented those things, God gives us an incredible promise at the end of verse 14. And he says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, what an incredible promise here that when there's true repentance, the promise result, God said, I'll hear your prayer. I'll forgive sin and I will bring healing to your land, to the church, for the nation. But I, I can't get this out of order. The only way that there becomes healing in our land is one, we take time to humble ourselves. We pray. We repent of our sin. And then God will heal our land. Now that goes right in line with Psalms 103, verse 3, where the Lord said, forget not my benefits. I'm the God who forgives your iniquities, and I'll heal all your diseases. And so something happens when we get a hold of this, and we begin to call out to God, and we begin to cry aloud to God. See, prayer is our 911 access to God, but I've got to make that call. You've got to make that call. And so make prayer the center of your life right now. My prayer is for you, and not just for my own life, but for you, is that we stir up an atmosphere of prayer in our homes and our own individual lives. Now turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and as you're going to 1 Samuel 1, I'm, I'm going to set the table for you a little bit with what's going on. When we re uh, rewind into this thing called the Old Testament, there was a man named Moses. And remember, Moses saw a move of God. He saw God get, get the Israelites out of Egypt. He, he saw the things of God happen, even though he didn't get to go into the promised land. And then Moses hands off the baton to a guy named Joshua. And Joshua literally leads the Israelites into a promised land. And so in the leadership of Moses, there was great glory. In the leadership of Joshua, there's an incredible move of God. And at the end of Joshua's life, in Joshua 24, 15, he said this, As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Now, if you were to look at Joshua 24, Joshua begins to get a sense that if he doesn't warn them, they're going to fall back into their sinful ways. And he deals with them. And so once Joshua leaves this place called earth, the people of Israel begin to deteriorate rapidly. One of the, the darkest times in the history of the Old Testament was in the book of Judges. And so we come out of Judges and we start coming into 1 Samuel. And in this passage here in 1 Samuel, it's still a dark time. 
But the reason I'm going to highlight this is God uses this woman named Hannah to birth something, not only in her, in her womb, but to birth something that would impact the entire nation, all the Israelites. And so Hannah is one of seven women that, that the Bible records prophetic utterance through them. So I want you to start with me in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 8. Then Elkanai, Hannah's husband. Now Elkanai was the tribe of Levi or the Levitical priesthood, okay? That, that has huge ramifications of what we're going to talk about today. That is still in existence in Israel to this day. And he said to her, Hannah... Why do you weep, question mark? Why do you not eat, question mark? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Now let's keep reading here because the scripture will explain what's going on. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Shiloh was a very spiritual place at the time. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. So what happens here is this woman named Hannah, she stands up. It says she arose, and she was compelled to go to the doorpost of the tabernacle to pray or to call upon God. Now, this woman here, she knew this in her life, that her trust wasn't in the power of prayer, but her trust was in the God who answers prayer. And so when you see this, she goes to the tabernacle, to these doorposts, and her goal is to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, this may identify you right now, but oftentimes our prayers are no more than complaints with dear God out in front of it. Don't let our prayer life just be complaints, okay? So she goes to the temple to pray here in verse number 10. And, and we start, and it says, and she was bitterness of soul. She was greatly distressed, and she prayed to the Lord. Now get that. She prayed to Father God. And it says she wept in anguish. And so this woman who was in deep anguish, and she, she wept with her prayers here, she would usher in a new day. Not only in her own individual life, but in the entire nation of Israel. This was a breakthrough moment with God. And when you see this, that she wept in anguish, sometimes our tears, they, they speak more profoundly than our words. You know, the Lord Jesus, he wept and he cried in tears. That's all in Hebrews 5. And so you begin to see this woman's heart. It, it wasn't just a prayer. And it was everything within her. And so we, when we read this here in verse 10, God uses the burden of Hannah's heart to bring surprisingly a larger solution to the burden of his own heart. And, and barrenness was not only Hannah's condition, but it was Israel's condition as well. It was a season of spiritual need. So listen real close. So God sought a voice to speak on behalf of his people. And so when this woman cried out to God, this was bringing forth not only the will of God, but the blessing of God on a whole nation. I highlight this. Your prayers matter. Your prayers don't, don't fall on deaf ears. 
And so there's got to be something within every one of us that moves us in our times of prayer. Verse number 11. Then she made a vow and said, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give to him the Lord all the day of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And so when you see what she's talking about here, guys, in, in this verse, she asked for a child, specifically a male child. And so this was the seriousness of prayer that was born out of some need. But it wasn't just born out of some need. It was born out of the, the, the knowledge we must ask God to intervene. I highlight what she said there in, in verse 11, that she prayed unto God. She called out to God. And so there's a difference between reciting a verse and actually living or putting a verse into practice. So it's not, I, I should pray today, but more so, I must need God's help today. i got to call out for God's help. And so what I find this within the church a lot of times, we have these little cliches and we say stuff like, I'm praying for you. Really? Really? Or stuff like this, our thoughts and our prayers are with you? Really? And sometimes I have the thought when people say that, so just actually what are you praying? Or do we just say that to act like I'm being religious? And so I don't believe God's into courteous prayers. I believe when we go back into this in verse number 10, God is still enlisting men and women as warriors, as fighters, or soldiers for the kingdom of God. And I believe this is so significant for the time we live in that God is calling real intercessors to the throne room of grace right here. Verse 12. And as happened as she continued to pray before the Lord, that Eli the priest, he watched her mouth. And so I get this, that she's at the doorpost and she's praying. And this priest named Eli, he's watching her movements. He's watching her mouth. Verse 13. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, but only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And so this guy named Eli, he's sure that something's amiss or something's wrong. And he's really watching her in verse 13. It says at the end, therefore Eli thought that she was drunk. He mistakens this woman whose prayer as a drunkard. And if you read into this, he admonished her that she should leave the tabernacle and come back sober. And so when you read what he thought of her in verse 13, it literally reveals the sorry state that the church was in as it degenerated under Eli and his sons. And so when you look at this right here and you study 
Eli knew this woman named Hannah was a, a righteous woman, but he was bewildered because of her conduct. Now, when I begin to look in this, I thought, okay, Father God, how did Eli the priest, how did he come to the conclusion that this woman of God is drunk? I'm going to give you a little insight here, okay? And I can just tell you in my West Texas draw, in my English language, I'm probably going to butcher the, the words here, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you where these are. This is all found in Exodus 28, verse 30. When the priest would come into the tabernacle, he would wear this robe. And somewhere upon the chest of his robe would be like a pocket or a pouch. Within this pocket or pouch, number one was a word spelled U-R-I-M, Urim or Urim. Again, if you're Jewish, forgive me for butchering that probably. But the word Urim here, or Urim, would mean light. Also within this pocket or pouch was a word spelled T-U-M-M-I-M. It's either Tumum or Tumum. That word tumen, when you read it and you see the meaning of it, it meant completeness. So you have light and completeness. No, so what this was like, the, the best I can describe, it was like a, a set of dice. But within those dice had letters written on them. And so they would shake those out and when they would roll them out, those letters would begin to light up. And this was a great way that many of the priests would make their decisions or it would give them guidance or guidance into how God wanted to lead them. So Eli, evidently, he rolls out the Urim and, and the Tumim. And he mistakenly answers and he tells that it's spelled drunken woman. But in reality, most believe it's spelled out like Sarah. Like Sarah. Remember if you study Sarah's life, she was barren, but it also said she is worthy. So when I read this and, and I, I see what he, he visioned it to say or he misrepresented what it said, it just shows me again. How out of tune this guy named Eli was. So it gives us a little insight on what's going on here. So I want you to pick back up with me in verse 14. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Now, this is incredible to me that he couldn't tell the difference between a woman of prayer and a drunkard. And he says, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. She honors him. No, my Lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Not only does she give the explanation, guys, think of this. She poured out her soul before the Lord. I think God's still attracted to people that will pour out their soul before God. They will bow toward God. 
It goes on to say this in verse 16. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief, I have spoken until now. It represents, again, she was a woman of deep grief and deep pain, but in this situation here, she doesn't blast Eli. She doesn't ridicule him. She doesn't mock him. She doesn't accuse him of being evil or so out of touch with God. She wouldn't allow Eli's comments to get her off track from looking to God. And so oftentimes I think there's many ways that it tries to pull us off from the things of God. Stay with God. Don't be discouraged right now. Look to God. Don't let the news media move you off from the things. Let's stay with God. Verse 17. Then Eli answered her and said, Go in peace. Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him. And so literally what happens right here is Eli, he pronounces a blessing on her. And I believe the blessing was, was pronounced on her because number one, her faith in God. But also her persistence. Don't grow weary in doing good for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. That's Galatians 6, 7. Don't give up right now. And so I, I think this oftentimes, guys, a, a lack of prayer translates into a lack of peace. But when a person will go before God with his entire heart, everything within him, and cry out to God, God will show up and God will put peace within you. Verse number 18, and she said, let your maidservant find favor or grace in your sight. Let your maidservant find grace or favor in your sight. And so this woman named Hannah, she asked for favor and grace in not only a dark time in her life, but a dark time in the nation of Israel. End in verse 18, and she, so the woman went her way, and she ate, and her face was no longer sad. There was a different countenance upon her, and I read that because oftentimes a, a person's faith is the window to her heart. Now, I want to highlight something here, okay? Five times in a couple of verses, she referred to herself as your maidservant. Three times in verse 11, one time in verse 16, and then again in verse 18, she says that again. Your maidservant. The robe of humility, your maidservant. And I highlight that because she sought God for what only God could do. She knew in this situation, I need a miracle. I need an intervention from God. She didn't look to anybody but God. And so when it says maidservant here, Hannah's repetition in referring to herself as a maidservant, it showed, number one, her humility 
to her dependence on God, but also this woman lived with a firm conviction, I'm your maidservant. I'm your God. I, I want you to, we're servants of the Most High. God is still looking for ones that'll humble themselves and say, Father God, for this to work in America right now, we look to you. We call out to you. Verse 19. Then they rose. Elkanah and Hannah. They rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord. They rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord. I got to highlight this to us, okay? I believe they got on their knees and they bowed and they called on God in total submission, in total surrender. And I highlight this again, guys. They, they got on their knees. They rose early and they worshiped before the Lord. The reason I highlight this, guys, is because the minute they did this, nothing has changed outwardly or in the physical realm. Zero has happened. Nothing has happened. And so when I read this, they're standing on a promise from God. But not only are they standing a promise on the promise of God, it's like they're saying, Father God, we look to you. When there's nothing else to look to, we look to you. We choose to worship you. We choose to praise you. Now watch how this verse ends. And they returned and they came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And the Lord remembered her. He's now going to bring his answer to Hannah's prayer and unfold the purposes. The Lord remembered her. And I highlight that for us today. When we go to God in total trust and total dependence, God will remember you. God hadn't forgotten us. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And so right here, just through a seed, just through a tiny seed from a woman, things begin to happen. And this became Israel's breakthrough, a turnaround and I highlight because it started with a woman. A woman who said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to look to God. I'm going to call out to God. And guys, this didn't, this didn't turn around overnight. It was nine months later until she gave birth to Samuel. But it was years and years and years before Israel began to change. But when I read this story, it stirs me. I, I got to pray. I, I can accept what is, or I can stand and I can fight in prayer for what could be. And so this discontented woman, this woman who said, I'm your maidservant, she called out to God. She refused to accept what was, and she said, I, I'm going to go to the throne room of grace. So I challenge her right now. Begin to go to the throne room of grace on a daily basis. 
and begin to pour your heart out to God in prayer. I want some things of God to to be birthed on the inside of you. I, I want to give you a God moment here this morning. Philippians chapter four, verse number six. And it says, be, be, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't fret or worry about anything. So I'm up early this morning and I see this statement here, be, be. And that word be, it cross-referenced me back into Psalms 55. And and I love to cross-reference because you begin to get a thought of what was going on through these writers through the Holy Spirit. And he says, be. Now, if you want a, a verse that you can stand on this entire week, it's this one. Psalms 55, 22, it says, cast your burdens on the Lord. What's your burden today? What's your burden? As a nation, as a, as, a, as a global people, as the body of Christ, we got a burden today. It's called the coronavirus. And he says, cast your burdens on the Lord or give them to the Lord and he shall sustain you. And he shall sustain you. Let me tell you what the word sustain means here. He'll protect you. He'll support you. He'll defend you to supply the means necessary for living. I, I welcome the God who sustains us. And he goes on to say, and he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. He shall never permit the righteous to be shaken, to slip to fall or to fail. So I speak that over us right now. Be anxious for nothing. Let this get on the inside of you today, okay? But in everything, I'll give you a nugget here. He didn't say for everything. He said, but in everything. But in everything, we're in some things right now. I'm not celebrating for it, but I'm looking to God in it. In everything, by prayer and supplication. By prayer and supplication, the passion says that you be saturated in prayer. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your petitions and your praise Shape your worries into prayers. So when we see the word supplication and petition, those are definite requests. It says those are to be faith-filled requests. And so the, the, the word for supplication is more than petitioning, but it suggests an intensity. It suggests an extended time of prayer, and it also means to fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hands. I don't know what all you're going through, but I can tell you as a nation, we're going through a lunch. So we give this to you, Father God. We hand our burdens off to you, Father God. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. And I highlight the thanksgiving because that's exactly what Hannah and Elkanah did at the end of 1 Samuel there in verse 119. When they rose early in the morning to worship, to worship is to give God thanks. I'm not giving thanks for what I'm in. I'm giving thanks because I know my God's going to get me out of it. God's going to move us out of it, okay? Verse 7. And the peace of God, whoo, remember what he said, go in peace. And the peace of God, and the peace of God, can I tell you why the peace of God's going to come to us? When I obey verse 6 and I cry out to God with my prayers and my petitions and my supplications, when I come to God with thanksgiving and I cast that burden upon him, there's going to be a peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses or transcends my understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Oh, boy. The Amplified says the peace of God, the peace of God, that you will experience God's peace. And so peace and prayer, they're closely related. So here's the challenge. I've got to go to the throne room of grace. I've got to go before Father God because the throne room of grace is God's unique 24-7 security system for my heart and my mind. So if, if we pour out our hearts to him in prayer, just like he said, he'll move. He'll move. And I will tell you this, prayer will cost you something. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your energy. It's going to cost you your heart. But the cost of not praying is much higher. And so I believe personally, prayer is the match that lifts the fuse. It's the prayer that, that, that lights the fuse. It causes things to begin to change. So I know right now there's many of you watching online. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Right there in your home, right there in your living room, I'm going to ask you with your family members. You can grab hands. You can get on your knees and you can bow. But I believe today that God is wanting to anoint my people. He's wanting to anoint me and you to call upon the Lord today. To humble and pray and to seek his face. And so lead your homes, men and women, moms and dads, lead your home today. Where that Joshua 24 says, as for me and my house, we're going to call on God. We're going to go through the, the, the throne room of God. We're going to petition God. We're going to cast our burdens upon, upon, upon God today. We're going to look to the great Jehovah today. And I just want to lead you in prayer. Just join in. Father God, we, we petition you today. We call out to you today with the three, uh, the three P's. We'll pray, we'll petition, and we'll praise. And Father God, we ask you right now to forgive us of sin. 
We ask you, Father God, to, to bring a humility upon our land that we call upon the name of the Lord. We ask you to grace us as your people, your servants. Lord, we ask you to intervene and heal our land, heal our homes. That you're the God of miracles. You're the God who never leaves us. You're the God who says, cast your burdens upon me. You're the God who said, I'll sustain you. That you won't be shaken. That I'll be like a river planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. So, Father, we call upon you today. We worship you today. And Lord, within all the hearts of men, women, children, birth within us the same heart that Hannah prayed. We want to call upon you, Lord. We look to you. And Lord, as I, I gaze in these cameras right now, I speak over homes right now. The peace of God which surpasses your understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Ooh, jump in here as our team leads us in this song. I, I welcome you to get a hold of this. Don't, don't just sing for a miracle. Let's actually believe God for a miracle today, okay? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.